When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thunder. <laughs> I just want to make your life as hard as possible, Callahan, right? Just maximize the background noise, like background just, noise. Just drum on my desk and like continuously knock my <laughs> mic. And- <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's hilarious. You're doing that. One of my friends back home from Ohio messaged me the other day. No joke. And he's like, I just got this really new hobby. I was like, what's that? And he sends he he bought a fucking oboe, or not an oboe, a uh, didgeridoo. Didgeridoo. And he's been learning how to play the didgeridoo. He sent me like a video of him playing that, and I was like, "That is the most random ass thing." You know what? I could possibly. Like, That's a power move. <laughs> <laughs> like okay, imagine uh, imagine you get in some sort of conflict with this person, and he just whips out a didgeridoo and just starts. Like, <laughs> The argument's over. And then <laughs> you lose. There's going to be minotaurs on the way. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host, Callahan. And uh, we have a great show lined up for you all today. But before we get into all of that, just want to thank you all for joining us this week. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment down below if you are watching on YouTube. If you want access to our Discord server as well as some other uh, little extra pieces that we're working on, make sure to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash sculptors or check out the link in the description. If you want to pick up any of the cards today that we talked about, you can head on over to our PCG player affiliate link in the in the wow in the description as well. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how I messed that one up, but it's okay. We're gonna keep going. <laughs> if you want to pick up any cards that help support the show, helps you know support stuff like the MLC podcast, all the different stuff. Over here, so really appreciate that. Uh, joining me today, we've got uh, two of my fellow sculpty boys. We're going to be talking about which is the worst of the allied color pairings. And uh, joining me first today is uh, my good friend, uh, Cobblepock. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Good to be here. Yeah. And uh, back on the podcast after a bit of <laughs> of a... Of a uh, What's the word I'm looking for? A hiatus. Hiatus is a uh, spleen face. Spleen, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be back. Yeah, um, it's funny. We got a comment on was it Reddit or I was think it, it was Reddit? YouTube. Uh, that was said something. It was like I don't know the guy's name, but the guy with the deep voice. I haven't heard him on here for a while, and we're sitting here and we're like, that could be like three or four different people. <laughs> it's either spleen. Phoenix or sick. I don't think six been on the main podcast. So, uh, yeah. And I don't really think sick has that deep of no, a voice. I, certainly. I don't either. Not as deep. Deeper than some, but your voice is so deep and so characteristic 
<laughs> it's I, I just remember I don't remember which tournament it was, but you oh, went under okay. yes. an assumed name <laughs> and you used a voice, voice modulator. <laughs> And even with the voice modulator, we could tell it was you just because your voice is so characteristic. So I remember that was the time twisted four. I remember when I went on the notion thieves back when they were doing their streams and like when they had a guest, they would actually keep it secret. Like I had a filter over my face. So it was like mostly blacked out and had like a psychedelic effect. And then I had a voice changer. And then all of a sudden I was just so conscious of Every single one of my like mannerisms, figures of speech, like everything I said immediately, I went like, that's something only I would say. People are going to figure this out <laughs> so fast. Right. Oh, that's funny. Um, well, glad to have you back. Uh, first time you were on uh, the podcast, we were talking about which shards and which uh, which wedges. wedges were the worst. And so this year we're back. <laughs> to do which allied color pairings are the worst. Uh, so starting it off, we're going to get it right, done right out of the gates. It's not because it's alphabetical at all. Um, is Azorius, It's not alphabetical, actually. Not al- is, is it not? No, really? it's in, no, it's in, it's in color in order. order. Oh, okay. So it's in color order. Okay. Um, so, okay. This is totally on purpose. Anyway. Co- uh, Cobblepot <laughs> made the template for these. Of course, it's in color order. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, starting us off is Azorius. And so Cobble, we were talking about this a little bit before, uh, before we went on is, uh, Azorius kind of occupies this weird space in EDH, right? Where in, in, in kind of one V one player formats, blue white has this very like defined, uh, identity, right? Yeah. It, it is a control deck. It's usually those sorts of things, you know, stuff like Teferi Hero Dominaria, stuff like that is very common within that build. But then you kind of look at uh, Commander and it's it's a whole different thing. It really struggles to find its identity in Commander. So really take us through what, what's going on with Azorius. Why is that? What is it kind of the strengths and weaknesses of it? So to maybe characterize that a little bit differently, the 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 blue aspect of Azorius gives it the the access to the strongest counter magic, you know, the 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 interaction on the stack uh, that any of the colors has. And the white aspect is focused more on uh, permanent based proactive denial. So when you couple Azorius, especially with, you know, the the actual blue white cards, a lot of them mm-hmm. are permanents that are stacks kind of uh, things. And there's a a an impedance, I guess, you know, there's there's kind of this this uh, conflict between wanting to hold mana open to be able to interact versus using mana to get your permanence onto the battlefield so that you can, you know, uh, control the, the tempo of the game and, you know, shut off people's uh, win cons and, and so on and so forth. So there, there, there is this uh, contrast and this desire to kind of go in two different directions. And what you wind up doing is you, you have to kind of pick one. So you, you got to pick, Either 
to to go with a more i'll say um a nimble kind of you know stack oriented deck where you're going to be using artifacts and you know accelerating and interacting and then trying to find a way to combo off versus a much slower kind of protracted gameplay where you're doing your rule of laws and your rest in peace and stony silence and and that kind of thing so it's it's a i want to say schizophrenic a little bit um color combination just because it doesn't quite know which one it it really wants to be in and we don't really have great representation for 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 either so uh as far as strengths are concerned um it's you know as i said denial stuff you know rule of law mind sensor rest in peace stony silence uh, those kinds of things It, it it does have stack interaction like silence and you know angel's grace and and so on but really uh it it shines the most in the permanence that it can put on on the on the table to be able to control the flow of the game um it's got good card advantage you know it's got access to mystic remora and and study and esper sentinel and time twister and windfall um but not having the the like the really big draw that you get from from black in you know adnos and necro and uh peer into the abyss that it's 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 noticeable mm-hmm. um the tutor support is generally limited to artifacts enchantments and there we're, we're getting more for instance and sorceries uh i forget the the new three mana sorcery that you can find solve the equation thank you um so it it doesn't have the ability to put together combos as as consistently as decks that have access to black so a lot of times it is looking for a artifact oriented combo that it can assemble because that's the thing that that it has the most reliable tutor support for um removal wise it's it's pretty good i mean it's it's got the ability to remove creatures and non-land permanents and its removal is typically exile based so it's uh i'd i'd say you know at the maybe top end of of the 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 removal that's available but again that that removal is 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 still kind of you know pushing up against that you know the the desire to have a board that you're you're establishing versus having stack interaction that you that you hold up mm-hmm. so um typically it's going to be slower than other lists you know it's especially if so it's it doesn't have red it doesn't have black so it doesn't have all the the rituals and the acceleration it's going to be often running null rod effects um unless its combo is based on artifacts because it is it knows that it can't outrace a lot of the you know the the, the decks that have access to black and red so 
slow them down. Null rod effects, stony silence, that kind of stuff is going to be pretty typical, which means it's going to try to create a slower game in which it can take the time to establish itself as opposed to trying to keep up with the pace of a game that doesn't have any denial in play. Right. So I think, I think we're done. That's kind of an interesting, you know, on just on that point. Um, it, I think that kind of puts Azorius in a rough spot because I just don't like, I think it's a fact of the format that you need at least some kind of acceleration in your deck uh, that you're planning on leveraging. So, you know, for a lot of decks, that's artifacts. Um, some decks go deeper on instants and sorceries. So generally those decks will also be trying to leverage artifacts as well. Uh, and then most of the green decks will leverage creatures plus the occasional um, land tutor or, or enchantment like your wild growths and nature's lores that see some fringe play. Um, and so when you're looking at an Azorius deck and you, you can't play, you can't make nearly as much mana with artifacts as something like Rakdos. Um, but then if you play Null Rod and Stony Silence, then you just don't get any acceleration, right? Like in right, green, right. you play Null Rod and Collector Roof because it's also very accessible in green. Um, Stony Silence if you're in white. And then you just play Dorks and then you laugh at everyone who spent, you know, <laughs> they they threw down all they kept a hand that's like, aha, I'm going to untap on turn three with like seven mana in play because I have this mana vault and a, a rock and a mox. And you're like, Hey, but I think we lost his plane. Lost you there for a second. Oh, um, yeah. Sorry, I was saying, uh, you know, in a green deck, you know, you come up come up against someone who kept like four or five artifacts or mana producing artifacts in their opening hand, or you know, maybe three or whatever, um, and a mock. So they pitched a card and they spent three or four cards putting out artifact based acceleration, and then you just slam a collector roof and you laugh at them and you play your dorks and then, you know, you win because they basically kept a four card hand because you shut up all their artifacts. But if you do that in Azorius, you are just committing yourself to basically playing one land a turn. Um, and so that that's definitely a, a rough spot where if you don't hate artifacts, then Rakdos and Rakdos plus will sort of run you over by taking advantage of them way better than you can. But if you do hate it, then you're left with nothing and the green decks will run you over by using their creature based mana. Right. Well, so. and there's there's also this is an interesting thing, too, that I think is as somebody who brews a lot in blue white. Um, one of the interesting things that I think you find very noticeably quick is in like. So in 60 card formats, they're generally or you can have up to four cards of, you know, your cards in your deck. And I I think blue white is a color that benefits greatly from that density of effects. Um like I, I, looking at like blue white and modern for instance. Um the amount of, you know, we're running four counter spell, you know, run like uh, four cryptic or two cryptic commands. Now, I guess now you're an arc mages charm, which in, in moderns really good stuff like that. Um, you can play to fairy time raveler and uh, there's, 
it's interest, interesting to me how in modern you notice, you know, oh, well, we just play like four of this. It's fine. Whatever you move over to commander and, you know, counter spells really good the one time you have it, but you only get it the one time. Right. And so yeah. it doesn't it's not there all the time. And so, like, is it unfair to say that blue white suffers probably the most out of most colors that I've seen? of not having multiples available to it. So I, I guess I I think that blue white suffers from a slightly different problem actually, which is uh, it's sort of tied it like the cards you were naming, obviously having multiples of them is, is nice in modern, but I think the actual issue is that all the cards you sort of named are cards that uh, are good in a neutral game. You play them and they Mm -hmm. take a game that's roughly even and then they give you an advantage, right? Your opponent plays their two drop or three, you know, two drop if they're, let's say you're going first. They play their two drop. You go like, cool, untap, slam Teferi, bounce your two drop. Like, I'm ahead right now. I have this thing on the board. You have to deal with it. You know, you're not going to be able to deal with it on your turn because you can't cast a thing. You replay your creature. Then I get to untap. If I can kill the creature, I can start ticking up. Um, and so in that way, uh, Azorius decks are very good at taking sort of a neutral game and getting themselves ahead with, you know, a couple efficient removal spells or counter spells or things like that. Um, and in modern, that's great because I think modern is unstable where advantages tend to snowball into larger and larger advantages until you you kind of you can take a game and you can be winning it for ten turns and then kind of at a we lost you again there. When when you say lose me, like can you still see me? Is it am I? Just, it's like you we just we can you freeze. I freeze. Okay, you freeze and then you speed up really fast, like it was buffering. That's very odd. Um, I think it's recorded locally, so the audio should be intact. Yeah. Um, sorry, what I was saying is that. Uh, Modern is very unstable where winning tends to sort of snowball into even more advantage and you can just kind of be winning the game for a long enough time that you eventually actually win the game, right? You put out a card advantage engine and then, you know, like Celestial Colonnade has been used as a finisher because it's like, okay, I have so much mana, I have so many cards, you have nothing to do, so we'll turn on this Colonnade and then I'll just beat you down because you have nothing. Right. But at that point, it actually doesn't matter what you're killing with. Uh, we saw a shark typhoon in standard recently, like that sort of thing. In EDH, though, I think the games are more stable. They're, and when I say stable and unstable, I'm not necessarily talking about volatility in terms of how much it can swing over a turn or a short sequence of actions. I mean that a person with an advantage, if you put yourself in an advantaged position, you don't that advantage isn't necessarily built on and maintained over time because threat assessment naturally shifts. So, you know, drawing one extra card a turn just means that people are going to, you know, point a little bit more of their interaction at you and you're going to have to spend that interaction on, you know, you're going to have to stop people rather than somebody else. And so these Azorius cards that give you that advantage, it's like, okay, now I've got a card advantage engine. I have some, mildly disruptive permanent that's annoying for you having those in play for a length of time doesn't translate into winning the game 
because right. somebody's either going to have a combo that works through it or they're going to find their abrupt decay. They're going to remove it. And then, you know, you're going to you're going to lose and you have to spend your resources to deal with three people. And if you have more resources, you have to spend them disproportionately. Uh, so having a really strong neutral game, but difficulty finishing or closing out the game works fine in modern because just lasting in that advantage state for a long time is a real strategy that eventually leads to winning the game. And in EDH, Mm -hmm. it's just not right. Someone, two people are going to save up. You're drawing extra cards. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to wait until I have four counter spells. And then the second you tap most of your mana to play something or to deal with somebody else then it's like all right i bet you don't have the mana to beat my four counter spells and here we go um right and so you just can't not being able to close up the game easily is is much more of an issue in edh than it is in modern for example and most of the other color combinations have good combos that fit into the color combination Mm -hmm. and Azorius just, I mean, I see people using, you know, rest in peace and helm um, or, you know, rule of law and knowledge pool or Dranath Magistrate and Ubermask. I mean, those aren't even win cons. They, you know, like the, the, the helm plus rest in peace that only takes out one player at a time. So it's it's not it's not really an I win and the others are just kind of locks that also don't necessarily translate directly into a win. So the the ability to put together a win quickly is is really not something that Azorius has the capability to do. Well, I think there's also the added layer of like commander support, right? Like for as much as I love Lavinia. Lavinia doesn't provide much more than very good disruption early out of the gate, right? Um, so you start to look at things and you're like, you look at stuff like Jessica, where Jessica's able to win the game and, you know, control the board and kind of do some of what we're doing and win the game. Um, you look at stuff like, uh, I'm trying to think of other part, like Urza, right? Like even you drop a color and you have a commander that also acts as a win con. Um, I, I think commander support, because if you look at the blue white commanders, like outside of Brago, which one, like what blue white commander like has the ability in the zone to like win the game. I think the closest one is Tygam and his, his combos are, they're incredibly mana intensive and they require a decent amount of redundancy in some not fantastic cards um and also he's just so threatening that he tends to just be a magnet for any sort of removal um right i think that um i think that one of the sort of interesting things and maybe when we talk about win cons is that none of the like an Azor- if there was an Azorius commander that did something moderately useful and was a scepter outlet, like yep. instantly a deck, because that's actually a combo that 
Azorius can access reasonably well. Like blue gives you artifact tutors. Um, you know, you I mean you also get your, your enlightened tutor, and then instants and sorceries are decently accessible. Um, but unfortunately, none of the good Azorius commanders are really scepter outlets. Yeah. Uh, actually, are right. none of the Azorius commanders scepter outlets? No, none of them. Are. Uh, I guess none Azor is kind of a scepter outlet. <laughs> if you squint really hard, I mean, he yeah. just has to be able to attack. Um, yeah. But. Um. There, there are. There's a person in our Discord, in the Lavinia Discord, who plays Lavinia and then has uses scepter and um, what's the old so use a fishbowl uh, to as a win con. Which you can assemble. Um, it's top. It's do that a lot better. I think top does that better. Yes, but I think the idea is is that you don't have to like rely on Thassa's Oracle or something like that. Like you could just play overall more high quality cards. I guess. I mean, we're um, playing Aetherflux and then, Reservoir, right? Yeah, but I, I will say somebody who has tried it, I didn't like it. It was fine when I tested it. Um, the gaining life part of having Aetherflux Reservoir is like a not unrelevant part because at some points you end up just getting smacked in the face a lot because people don't like what you're doing. I mean, I guess that's um, specifically in Lavinia. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Um, in Lavinia, it, it can matter a lot. Um but that's kind of the thing, right? I, we said this, I said this before we went on somebody who bruises it a lot. I'm just like blue white is either a scepter outlet commander away or a like decent win con away. Oh, I guess from being good. Vega is technically a scepter outlet. It just doesn't do yeah. anything else besides be a scepter. Outlet. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, I, I believe Phoenix like build a Vega deck and it's just like, Ugh, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just—it's it, not fun to play, and there's nothing really interesting about it. It's just like—I mean, I guess kind it's of a generic. It, it's like thing. kind of fun with uh, with like future side effects, but uh, I digress. Yeah, it's it's certainly yeah. not a fantastic option, and right. you'd love to see. I mean, obviously, Urza's pretty ridiculous as a card, but even even a card that sort of serves two functions like being consistent card advantage and a scepter outlet or a combo piece and a disruptive element uh you know that sort of thing where you have a commander that does more than more than just being a a one trick pony uh, right would definitely help yeah right it it does seem like most so you know brago does the thing most Brago lists are identical to one another. Most Tigum lists look very similar to each other. Mm-hmm. Most uh, Lavinia decks are going to be very similar. Grand Arbiter. I mean, it's there's kind of one way to build the commander, and that's you know it, that that's just kind of how they are because that flexibility is not there. Yeah, and that's that's kind of and like I said, I think it ultimately comes down to like. Like if it had better win cons, I think you could more easily commit to which side of the game plan of blue white, right? That you wanted to go to, because mm-hmm. then you could be like, okay, well, I'm winning with, let's say, I get a good scepter outlet that does anything else relevant attached to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have that in the zone, and now I can sit there and I can say, okay, 
now that I know how I'm winning the game, I can go, okay, well, I'm not doing this. I want to do this. I'm not playing it's a lot easier I'm not to com- playing Stony Silence. I'm exactly. Gonna- like, it's a lot easier to commit to those things when you know how you're winning the game. Whereas, well, how the hell do I even win the game, right? How do I assemble this? How do I bring it to the table? And that's kind of, I think, where Blue Eye is, where I think it it's still really trying to find its identity right now, I feel like. Um, I think one more thing that needs to be said about it, too, is not only is it slower than the other color pairings and, you know, relies on these, you know, board present uh, denial pieces to be able to slow everybody else down so that everyone's kind of at parity with their their uh, economy of resources. Um it makes it very vulnerable to things like cyclonic rift or I don't know, fracturing gust or, you know, any, anything that's going to remove all of your permanents quickly. Right. Um, you won, first of all, you lose all of that, that uh, advantage that you had incrementally put together and you're set back much further than everybody else because most everybody else is able to start from an empty board and go quickly. And Azorius is not equipped to do that. Well, I think the one benefit to that though, is for some reason, people aren't playing Cyclonic Rift right now. It's, so come on. Cause it doesn't bounce your dock side. Duh. <laughs> uh, uh, somehow, somehow I feel like after the string of Winota top fours, uh, we might be seeing an uptick in Cyclonic Riff. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hopefully, I mean that was always um, that was always our over at Into the North. Our take was, uh, you know, when you're going into like an open tournament or a blind meta, just have that Cyclonic Riff in there for the for the weird stacks matchup for when you get paired against like Yasharn or something, and you just <laughs> you just need you need like an emergency emergency bailout button just slot in a cycle i've seen people using winds of abandon yeah i've seen that that too can work it's a little rough if not everything is uh is a creature right creature oriented Mm -hmm. right if they play actual rule of law or like root maze or things like that or yeah blood moon you can run into some problems um next up is probably one of the ones that everybody's going to have an opinion on that's probably fairly similar is uh Demir blue black. Yeah, so that And so this one's just not great, right? We, we <laughs> it's not really <laughs> it's a lot. Worst. Uh so when uh, I I made this car- this comparison on Twitter the other day and um you guys don't watch football, but I'm going to say this for my audience because to me the the blue black and uh, the like the combo within it. I made the c- comparison to Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to change the comparison a little bit. I'm going to say it's more similar to having Thrasios in demonic or not Thrasios, Thos's Oracle and demonic consultation in your deck is like having Tom Brady on your team. You're going to get so many free points or free wins in our in our case, right? That other colors just don't get right because you're able to just how many times. Have you sat down at a table, Morgan, and somebody just go land Mox Diamond Pass? And next turn they go land Thos's Oracle, Demonic Consultation. You're just like, well, 
I guess. I guess, right? Like, you know, and so when we look at blue, black, right? Like everybody's really high on red, right? But how blue, black still got it, right? It it certainly does. Um, In the uh, in the two color league that uh, Nexus did, I guess, last fall, um, I played one, one of the decks that I played for that was Kells and I lost a game with it. Uh, because I was an idiot and forgot that the face down card on my board was a git rug monster. Uh, and so I got, <laughs> I, I got killed with my Oracle trigger on the stack because they killed a land of mine and I just didn't respond because I forgot I had a git rug monster. Uh, but like, it just, it just felt like the, yeah, the deck had so many, I mean, it had incredibly high card quality. It had very consistent access to the, the good cards in the deck and it just had it, it got so many free wins off of Oracle. Um and and like you know, I was playing a Nas Scepter consult deck. Like there was a time when people would have said that combination of adjectives, obviously in a different color combination and with better commanders, was the best deck in the format. Like Consult Scepter Thrasios you know, would have been probably shortly after the flash ban. That might've been a lot of people's answer for the best deck in the format. Um, and, and like, there I was consult, Oracle, tainted pact, all the black tutors, <laughs> scepter, Nas, like scepter plays really nice with Nas. Cause you want a lot of the fast mana. And then also it's a colorless, like assuming you have both the pieces, it's a colorless win con after Nas. Um, which just makes it a lot easier to assemble because, you know, when you have like the zero mana state and then you go like, okay, well, I have this Lotus Petal. And then you look at your hand and you're like, well, I can cast the Soul Ring, but then I can only cast colorless stuff. It's like, okay, sure. Yeah, I'll go Soul Ring, Mana Vault, you know, off to the races. Um, and and so like, the just as a color combination, I guess I'll, you know, <laughs> be, a, be a little bit more, be a l- little bit more formal, but Obviously, you're looking at various types of combo decks, um, strong control elements provided by blue. Uh, and then some of the commanders will have sort of their own flavor. We've seen a couple different uh, decks that were turned into reanimator decks. I remember people played with uh, Lazav when he was spoiled. People, mm-hmm. have, people have experimented with Arami. Um, there's obviously Yuriko and stuff like Sig and Nimrus, where you just try and play this control and have like some massive card advantage in the command zone. Um, and then, yeah, there's, I mean, <laughs> I still believe that the best, the best uh, Demir deck is unfortunately just Kells because she's a Scepter outlet and just, <laughs> she's the best Scepter outlet in the colors. And then you just play Nas Consult Scepter. Um, and you have, as we've said, the, the tutors from black, the stack interaction, Nas, Necropotence, Peer, if you want it. Uh, you got your time twisters and windfalls and all your blue staples for more in study. Um, cards like uh, Yogmas will. Uh, and also I think in this, a big one in this is uh, mnemonic betrayal, which obviously mm-hmm. is a very meta dependent card, but is excellent in sort of very turbo heavy metas where people are launching wheels and playing lots of rituals and fast mana and things like that, where like they'll just be loaded graveyards and sometimes mnemonic betrayal just, or often mnemonic betrayal just reads, I win the game, you know, somehow how it happens is a formality, but 
Um, and then, yeah, you've got, you've got, you know, the new uh, malevolent hermit, slightly less new Douthy Voidwalker, and you can play notion thief and opposition agent and all of that. Um, you can still go pretty fast. Obviously you don't have Dockside, and you miss some of the rituals and things like spirit guide from red, uh, but you still get, uh, the best rituals ever printed in, you know, dark ritual, cabal ritual, culling the week if you have things to enable it. Um, and yeah, your weaknesses are, uh, I mean, we, we had to we had to reach a little bit here. You, you, <laughs> you struggle to deal with non-creature permanence, um, but even that is like asterisk by the fact that bounce spells exist and there are like a lot right. of them. There are so many different disperse variants that you know, if something's a problematic permanent, obviously you can deal with it long enough to win the game or deal with it and then just counter it on the way back down. Um, and you also kind of wish you could have um, things like the to battlefield tutors in green, particularly for accessing Thoracle. Um, but like these are weaknesses that are. Yeah, I would say they're sort of relative weaknesses as opposed to absolute weaknesses. Um, mm -hmm. compared to some other colors that really struggle to deal with uh, these sorts of things. And yeah, Demir's great. And Demir plus more colors has been the meta for a very long time. Yeah. Since uh, 2016, I would say, at least. I would agree. I think the, the weaknesses are, are not, like you said, they're, they're they're not necessarily weaknesses, but they're things that would make dimmer stronger if if it had a you know an analog to uh eldritch evolution or neoform in dimmer then <laughs> you would never need to leave the house because because <laughs> dimmer would just you do just everything for you inside and play with yourself all day <laughs> <laughs> just keep tapping your your scepter over and over again uh, one of the, the, the interesting things, and we'll probably circle back to this at some point, but I, I really, I want to harp on this for a second because I think people have forgotten about it. There is this level of, you know, I, I compared it to Tom Brady earlier when, when Tom Brady was in new England and they were winning all these championships the year after he wins the Super Bowl, people are like, Oh, they're not that great. They're they're getting worse and worse and worse. And he's getting old and blah blah blah. Then he leaves. He goes to Tampa Bay. Immediately wins a championship. Right. I think what is happening right now because I keep hearing this over and over and over. Thos's Oracle is not that great. It's it's not as good. Dockside's the real problem. Red's really good. Like, I, I mean, are people just forgetting that Thos's Oracle got a card banned? Right. Like got an entire archetype banned out of existence. Uh, it helped. Certainly it the, did the, help. the conversations around the flash ban had been going on for a long time before then. And right. the fact mm -hmm. that Thassa's Oracle shored up the weaknesses of Flash Hulk in such a disgusting way probably provided the final impetus. Um, right. But uh, I would say that I get where people are coming from when they say that Oracle is not that bad because often it's the thing that comes before it that looks like the problem, right? You cast a Nas, 
the fact that Oracle exists, like people have been winning by casting ad nauseum since long before Oracle was printed, right? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, right. Breach was printed at the same time, but people are winning with Breach in colors where they can't play Oracle. Like that, that you know, Mardu, Turbo Nas decks still win with Breach without too much trouble. Um, and so it's very easy to say like, oh, Breach is the problem or Dockside, you know, is the problem because it just casts the Nas or, you know, Ad Nauseum is the problem. Like those are very easy things to say. I think that what separates something like Tim Necrom or, you know, five color storm decks or some of the better Grixis decks from something like uh, Mardu or um, you know, Mardu or, or like low color, these lower color John, decks or, right. or John Directos is what happens when things start to go wrong. And I think that that's had a knock on effect of like, okay, if I play collector roof against Kess, let's say I'm, I feel good about that. Right. I'm like, okay, a lot of their mana is artifact based. They're not going to be able to go off with the dock side. Um, this is nice. I've, you know, set them behind. Whereas like if I play Nullrod against a Rakdos Turbo Nas deck, I'm like, well, that's the game that is dealt with, you know, as long as they can't destroy the Nullrod, they are not going to be a threat. Um, and, and I think that the existence of such a powerful pivot through most of the hate that, people might play to target your artifacts or to target breach. Like, like, so I've been playing decks with cage in them recently and I've been enjoying that, but, <laughs> uh, but like the fact that you could slam a cage against a breach deck, right? Like I'm playing against cast. It's like, okay, this is a breach deck. Cast casts stuff out of the graveyard. And then the cast deck goes like, cool. Uh, and step vamp tutor untap, like, oracle consult and i'm like well fantastic cool. like <laughs> they they have such an easy pivot that it makes it so much harder to justify actually hating out the problem cards and so you know breach is you know on its own it's has more pieces and is harder to assemble than something like oracle consult but when you start to play a game you get wheeled once or twice then it's like oh, this tutor, I can just play this tutor, find Breach, replay the tutor, find LED, off to the races. Um, so then, and and because people aren't going like, oh, well, I'll just put Rest in Peace in this deck. Oh, I'll play, I'll play uh, my Grafdigger's Cage. I'll play even something like a Dryad Militant. Like, people are just going, is it worth it to play these cards? Because they're just going to play Oracle, like... I think that means that, you know, Breach then becomes free because no one's hating it. So then you're like, okay, well, I'll just go for Breach because, you know, I have the setup for it. Um, And so then people see Breach win a lot and they go, oh, Oracle isn't the problem. But I wonder in a world where, in a world where Grafdigger's Cage does more against a Grixis or, you know, Saw's Green deck, is Breach as good? Right. I th- I think another thing that that I think dovetails in with that is that 
So you had said, you know, Adnaz has been a thing forever. And long ago, people used tendrils of agony to win. And, you know, if they needed to, they would um, cast their tendrils of agony, get a whole bunch of tr- triggers, and then bounce tendrils of agony back to their hand Remember. from the stack and then cast it again. Classic and- storm. Right. <laughs> um, but the idea is that getting the gnaws just meant that you got a lot of cards converting the cards into a win took effort it took work and now it doesn't matter whether you're on breach or whether you're on um adnaz or you know any other kind of degenerate uh one card that creates a huge amount of advantage um the de facto way to convert access to those cards is just Oracle consult. And well, I mean, how many times have you seen somebody add Nas and they flip over Oracle consult and the table just goes, Oh, well there it is. Right. Like, right. If there is one more piece of mana and then, all right, good talk. Like, all right, good game. <laughs> right. If, if there is no Oracle consult, then that add Nas becomes a whole lot more unpredictable because the the next best thing when there is no consult oracle is quite a bit behind that and requires you know aether flux reservoir or you know who knows what are the what other contraption you're going to use depending on your color combination to, to to pull a win it's a significant difference so well, i mean look at mad farm right like look at the things mad farm has to do like it, right. it's it's significantly better now than it was, but before they were running like World Gorder Dragon Loops and all these things. Ha, are they still doing good old Leonin Relic Warder? Yeah. Like they're they're doing all these things to try and make it work when, you know, it turns out like Jessica simplified that a lot for them. But, you know, not having that easy win with blue makes those blue Nas decks a lot harder to win with. Right. People used to win with Doomsday before Lab Maniac was printed. It was a lot harder to win with Doomsday before Lab Maniac was printed, but but I mean the, even you know, after the, Lab Maniac was printed, you still had to your like your sort of no resource line. You had to have your gush online. You had right. to have yep. like you know it. It certainly wasn't like easy you know you had to do like the led yog will stuff and then you had to be able to whatever your thing that drew the first card was you had to be able to draw one more card with it so like it was fine if it was probe like ponder meant you needed another another blue mana um you know if it was like top then then you had to do like a bunch of workarounds because the top went on top of your deck so you had to get one card deeper and blah 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 um right the the point the point is that those cards that are so good mm. because of the presence of Oracle consultation. Um, when Oracle consultation goes away, they get taken down a lot, multiple notches because assembling a win con without, you know, those two cards is significantly more 
effort. And I and, and the and one of the things I want to say is I want to say this before anybody in our comments even says anything. Well, my way of doing it with Underworld Breach is with Brain Freeze. Like, I mean, sure. Like, yes, but you, you're still having to work for that, right? Like, are people not? I you're still playing Brain Freeze. Yeah, Brain Freeze is not a good card. I just want to, like, make sure people are aware of that. It is a bad magic card. It's like, not a bad magic card, but it's not a, a great, you know, uh, have you know, nuanced. I'll have you know that Brain Freeze won us the Nexus Super League final. <laughs> Turns out. But, but you, food you know chain. what I mean? Like, like. What do you say to people, Morgan, when they go, well, I just use brain freeze as my one with breach. I don't Oracle doesn't even play it. Like, what do you say in that situation? Uh, right? I mean, I say that, sure, uh, breach is I mean, would I am I saying that breach is an OK magic card? Like, no, of course, it's not an OK magic card. Um, you know, any card that gets, you know, earns bans in legacy, I think uh, <laughs> we can sort of agree. Okay, maybe this one was a little pushed, um, but I I think that Breach has a lot more surfaces that can be interacted with. It has a lot more moving parts, uh, and like saying that it's obviously you know it's obviously the the next best thing or that it's better than Oracle uh, is just something that I I don't think can really be be backed up especially when the things that hate on breach specifically um hate very effectively on the other kinds of things that breach decks tend to be doing um in a way that they right like like a null rod generally stops a breach from winning it also just is very good against you know ad nauseum breach it's good against ad nauseum and peer and like these sorts of you know, play some big insane card draw spell and then try and assemble a win from having little mana because you played your insane card draw spell. Uh, and it does basically nothing to Oracle Consult. Um, we've seen a trend towards playing Rule of Laws, which are sort of the thing that does hit uh, both. But Rule of Laws are, uh, in terms of how much they affect everyone, are insanely hot. Like it's insane how much a rule of law does to even a deck that's ostensibly built to play under rule of law. Like it is a hard effect to play around, even if you're set up to play around it on. Whereas like if you're playing, you know, a mana based deck with like four artifacts in it, most of the time you could just ignore collective grief, right? Like you just actually do not care that it's in play. Uh, Whereas if you're playing, even like a stacks deck, you know, that generally just plays permanence or whatever, even if you have some way of breaking parity on it, rule of law is still very much you have to plan your turns around it. And it's like, okay, I want to put the rule of law in play as soon as possible, but like, can I afford one more turn where I play like two or three permanents out to try and develop? Or like, does it have to come down this turn? Um, running rule of law has a lot of requirements around it. And that's the piece that is effective against both consult and uh and nas uh whereas so in other words you're saying rule of law decks should be kadama decks 
I'm saying that <laughs> even when they are Kodama decks, that's not necessarily enough. Like you're still very much disrupted. I would say a even with Kodama out, you're more disrupted by a rule of law than something like than you would be by a collector group, I guess is how I would put it. Okay. Like if you're playing, say, Abzan stacks, I think most of the time you actually 100% fully ignore Collector Roof. And even if you have Kodama out, the rule of law will still be inconvenient sometimes. You'll play... You'll sure, play, it'll be inconvenient more than the Collector Roof. Yeah, you'll play your spell and you'll be like, do I put the extra land out? Do I put the other creature out? I can't do both, like, you know, or whatever it is. You start drawing cards with Timna and then it's like, well, I can't put all of these out. Um you know, someone tries right. to remove something and you can't defend it because you're under, you have a veil, but you cast a spell on it and your thing's getting countered. You can't cast the veil because there's a rule of law, whatever it is. Um, yes. Will still disrupt you. Like, rule of law is an incredibly disruptive piece to pretty much every deck. So, we're talking about rule of law <laughs> in our coverage of Demir. Because so. rule of law is the only thing that actually hits. Everything that Demir <laughs> well, tries okay. to do. Let me let me ask this then, because I know there's a lot of people who play like Hushbringer, Torpor Orb, stuff like that. Like, is that actually a reasonable piece to be plotting into decks? Because it does hit like a reasonable amount of things that are going to be playing. Side. It hits Dockside. It hits uh, Thoracle. It it does disrupt Ranger. Gilded Captain, Drake. Gilded Drake. Stuff like that. Although then your your opponents do get a two mana three three that flies. Isn't great, but. Uh, it's okay with Timna. It's like a team yeah. effort. It's like, hey, it's better than Dark Confidant. Well, it's not great for you, I guess, is my point, right? Like, it's like, all right, it's, well, they got a, they got, they got a beater. Um, like, is it reasonable, Cobblepot, in 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 this world, in this environment, to be saying, okay, I'm going to be playing Torpor Orb, I'm going to be playing Hushbringer, these sorts of things? Like, is it worth it? Because I know in my deck building, I tend to steer away from them because I've just kind of been like, I don't know that I think it's worth it to include this. Uh, what are what are your thoughts on that? I would say that it's meta dependent. Mm -hmm. If you're in a metagame that is absolutely saturated with Dockside and everybody is copying Dockside and bouncing Dockside and reanimating Dockside and, you know, winning with Oracle then that might be enough to warrant the inclusion of, you know, Hushbringer or, you know, Torpor Orb or something to that effect. In a blind meta, I don't know if the expected value is going to be high enough to warrant the inclusion mm -hmm. just because you don't know enough about what your your field is going to look like you might have to play to, against your sharn right right <laughs> so it it i i think it it really depends on on what the landscape is as to whether it's appropriate okay well i mean here's my here's my response to that question okay let's in order take turns naming decks that when you put a torpor about you're like okay i'm i feel safe that deck can't win i'll go first Vanifar combo. What's next? <laughs> Anything? Well, okay. So let's say that you have a Hushbringer out and you're playing against an Adnaz 
breach deck that doesn't have brain freeze, let's say. They're playing Mardu Farm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, how do they win? So the, the idea is you've got a means of getting an arbitrary number of cards into your hand, but you have a deck that is streamlined such that the only actual I win is Oracle. Well, I mean, okay, this doesn't feel like a deck that I'm ever going to see. They're they're playing, like, they're in blue, they're playing Oracle, they're playing Breach, they're not playing Brain Freeze, and they're not playing anything else that enables Breach combos. But is it disruptive to the to the to, to some of that stuff? So I guess it, is my thought because it it, it stops Thos's Oracle, it disrupts Dockside. It to some extent does stop like Winota's win cons too, right? Like, uh, sure, it stops Winota's combos. It doesn't stop right. you just dying, getting smacked in the face, um, <laughs> right? Like, I, I guess what I would say is, first of all, so something like Mardu Farm, most of them will have some. Uh, torpor or proof line whether that's they're playing Jessica and they have like a Bomberman type combo or um, possibly they have like a grinding station uh, line where they can just breach through their entire deck until they find a a removal spell the Nas can draw them into removal spells like if they can still play all their rituals and artifacts and cast ad nauseum I don't think it's reasonable to say you're safe from any deck that's playing those um like is that is that necessary before slotting a card though so do you do you you not slot a card unless you can say that you are incontrovertibly safe from certain decks if you have that card in play uh no so so yeah, I, I don't think it has to be it has to hard shut out some number of decks for it to warrant play. But I think that looking at it as a hate piece, I mean, first of all, it's unfortunately broad, like almost every deck has some number of things that it wants to be doing that uh, that are impacted by it. So like I was looking at putting it in cats, right? And I was like, we're playing consult, but a lot of the time I'm assembling that through. Um, I'm assembling that through Razaketh anyways. I can just sack the Hushbringer and then I'm like, okay, but then I also can't spell Seeker. Um, you know, the Eternal Witness is offline. Like, okay, that's kind of annoying. Um, you know, so like Spell Seeker, Gilded Drake, I mean, often these decks want to be playing their own dock sides. Um, a lot of the lower color decks are on things like recruiters as supplementary tutors. Um, yeah. So it it will shut off like some of the things you want to be playing and it doesn't hard hate anyone else out. And I think that that I'm not saying there are no decks that can play them, but I think that they often disrupt you a little bit too much and don't do quite enough. And the calculus just doesn't look very good. Um, well, let's, let me let me say this tomorrow. Wizards. I don't put it past them. Uh, prints an asymmetrical uh, Hushbringer effect. Is that worth playing? 
it certainly merits more consideration. I probably wouldn't put it like I wouldn't just slot it into decks willy nilly. It might go in some more hate bear centric decks, particularly ones that are more color limited. Um, like mm-hmm. if I was playing, I don't know, three color or two color hate bear, whatever, um, that would certainly warrant a consideration. Um, Good talks. I love, I love, I know we're a little, you know, off. We're not just talking about Demir. We're kind of talking about, well, how do you beat Demir's <laughs> win cons here? But I, I, I think it's interesting conversation. And I think that it's definitely important to be talking about when we're talking about these, like, okay, well, how, how the hell do you stop these things? Um, and so next, when we're talking about that, we're kind of talking about the next part in this black side of the allies here is Rakdos, uh, black red. And so when we look at that cobble pot, you're just kind of talking about black blue and comparing it a little bit to, uh, a lot of the stuff that's going on in red with breach with Dockside, all these things, red's been getting a lot of support recently. Where does that leave Rakdos? Because, you know, a few years ago, Rakdos was not really well regarded, right? Like people kind of were like, ah, red's not that good. I mean, people think red's like one of the best colors now. Like, what do you, what do you think? Cobble? I, I would agree. So when you transition from dimmer to Rakdos, basically what you're doing is you're trading your, uh, stack interaction for the most part for acceleration um yes red can still interact on the stack with you know red elemental blast and deflecting swat and you know that kind of stuff but really it kind of ends there and what you get instead are your dock sides and your jessica's wills and you know the the breach combos and and those sorts of things so you are getting a faster game um, and you still have access to black so you can assemble your combos uh, very deterministically, very consistently. So it's going to generally be a get to the combo as fast as you can kind of a deck. And, um, you know, some people have have had success with uh, Anya. Some people have had sex with uh, <laughs> they've had sex with um, Grenzo Doomsday. Um, that's been a long time ago, though. I don't know if uh, that ever is that still even in the database. I, Grenzo Doomsday. It was during yeah, the league. Yeah, it is. It was during MLC because um, uh, uh, Killstars played it. Yeah, I mean, I. I still think it's a solid contender for the best uh, Rakdos deck because uh, it can yeah. more or less do any of the things you're doing in Rakdos anyways. Uh, plus right. it plus right. it has the, the Doomsday setups. It's a World Gorger outlet too. Yep. So it's the as far as strengths are concerned, it's got excellent rituals from the red side and from the black side it's got excellent tutors from the black side great card advantage kind of from both sides you know got the gnaws and necropotence and peer into the abyss along with wheel of fortune wheel of misfortune and so on great recursion from both sides so you've got your reanimation package from black you've got yog will from black but most importantly you've got underworld breach from red and that along with wheel of fortune and led or you know any number of other combinations of things are able to just let you go off to the races and because of the fact that you got the black tutors you can 
very quickly, uh, get the mana that you need and find the pieces that you need to put together and then just execute them. So it's racing colors. Um, it's, as far as weaknesses, it, wait, go ahead. Kellen. It's interesting to me. It, it's funny. I don't want to, we don't need to talk about this too long. I just think it's funny how, you know, you're talking about, yeah, it's got Yogg will, but the real, the real attraction is underworld breach. Like, could you imagine like two years ago, anybody, if I, if I looked you dead in the face and was just like, Hey, they're going to print a better Yogg will. Like, I mean, <laughs> we can, I, I tweeted it when it was printed. Yeah. And said, this, this looks, if I'm reading this right, this looks better than Yogg will. And that was not a well-received tweet, but looking back, I, how far we've I, come. I still think that it's, I, I do think that underworld breach is, is the better card. Um, <laughs> and spleen is laughing i I was just i was just reminded of on the spoiler thread i remember someone someone commented something they they said something like a regrowth with extra steps and then i i replied with like the most under the the understatement of the century which was uh i think this is a little bit better than a regrowth (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh but but go on cobble. I was it just it, it amazed me because when you're talking about it, right? Like I I mad, I remember playing, you know, these games two years ago, and Yogmoss will is like great. Nobody plays it anymore, right? Like, I, I, even in these decks, are people really playing Yogg's will anymore? I mean, Yogg will still sees play, and it, especially in decks with black. But um, that was a joke. <laughs> It's, you know, having the redundancy to be able to be able to win after a nause mm-hmm. and, you know, just cast a bunch of spells, cast Yogwill and keep going, cast those spells again. Uh, there's a lot of value mm-hmm. there in having that flexibility to be able to, to choose either one. The, moving to the weaknesses that, that Rakdos has, and it's not a lot. Um, as I mentioned before, the it doesn't have great interaction so you know after you have exhausted your deflecting swat your red elemental blast and your pyroblast you really don't have a lot and uh what that means is one you can't police the table uh two you can't protect your own combo um so really what it becomes is you're just trying to go as fast as you can uh because you're not going to generally win the long game, Mm -hmm. especially if there's people who are going to, you know, put uh, artifact hate onto the board and so on. Um, You know, you got to try to win as fast as you can. Um, Also has trouble with removal. So um, black forever has had notorious challenges removing um, artifacts and enchantments that's changed recently, but there's, I mean, the options are still not two great. Pieces of enchantment removal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's artifact removal was, you know, Karn or um, Gate to Phyrexia. Uh, Gate to Phyrexia. So not a whole lot of options there. Now, the red side does have 
Vandal Blast and, you know, all the other iterations meltdown, of that. Meltdown. <laughs> meltdown is a <laughs> tremendous card, but in red black, you kind of want those um, artifacts. But so long and the short of it is you either win quickly or you lose. Right. So yeah, this, there's a ton of combos, especially I, unless you're prosper. I'm not sure if this is still true, but I remember looking it up once and there were more cards in red that specified non enchantment than could actually <laughs> remove an enchantment even in. And this is counting stuff like, like world fire as enchantment removal. <laughs> Wow. But like there's like three or four cards that specify non enchantment, and that's more than all of the red cards that can remove enchantments. So, needless to say, if somebody sticks a rule of law, the Rakdos player is not the one who's going to get everybody out of that situation. Unless it's an arcane laboratory, and then they can potentially do something. Yeah. They they have the one out. Um, When we look at these combos, right, we've we've talked a little bit uh, previously. Everybody knows uh, Dockside wins. Uh, We talked a little bit about Breach, sort of stuff like that. But there's still World Gorger gets play, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's there. I mean, there's a whole bunch of options in Rakdos for for combos that that do see play. You've got your Dockside. You've got your Breach. Um, Doomsday still sees play. In certain places, World Gorger with Animate Dead still sees play. Uh, you see a lot of dual caster and twin flame uh, just because both cards are reasonably good, depending on your your deck uh, individually and not necessarily together. And uh, you still see Kiki Jiki combos. I don't know if Blood Pot or any of those other things is still getting play. I don't see it. But and beyond that, there's people doing conspicuous Snoop and other people doing things with Magda. So like, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of breadth to the the available ways to win a game. What is it one of the the ways Prosper Phoenix is probably going to kill me because I'm going to murder this? Because isn't one of the way like Prosper wins is through like doing Mayhem Devil loops? Right, Mayhem Devil is is often like is a outlet. An outlet yeah, just because can, it's it's great on its own, just incidentally being able to ping off, you know, everybody's uh, notion thieves and their dorks and, and so on. But or just um, say, save being a able to wait for somebody else to crack something and you get a Timna or Douthy or yeah, it's, it's a hell of a card. Right. But I mean, it's pretty straightforward to get a, you know, a, a Mayhem Devil with Cloudstone, Curio, and Dockside, and there's yeah, or, you've won. Um, what's right. the so. um, not Dance of the Dead, Corpse Dance, and Dockside, yeah. and Mayhem Devil. You sack two of the mm-hmm. treasures to ping the Dockside. You sack the rest of the treasures to ping everyone else. Corpse Dance with buyback. Repeat. Yep. Uh, so yeah, those are, and again, those are win cons that. You're not just going to stick randomly, you know, after, I mean, you, you could after like an ad nause or something like that, the way that somebody can pivot into a Oracle consult. A lot more all in. In, in response. Yeah. So it's, 
they, it's not on the same level of Oracle well, and, Console. And, None of the combos that they have. And this is kind of kind of the the a good comparison to this, right? Because you know we we talk about how these are a lot more all in. You know, if I go turn three, right? I go Thos's Oracle demonic consultation. I try to go for the win, and it gets countered. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll try it again later, right? Like you you just kind of like shrug and keep going, and then it doesn't end your game. I think that's kind of the problem here is when you look at this, it's like if you somebody's doing world gorge or dragons loops and you time your uh, swords at the right time, they just don't get a field back. Right. Like you just take them completely out of the game. So that's where I, I think the difference is when you look at these these win cons, there's they're a lot more vulnerable to that interaction that like Thassa's Oracle just isn't. Yeah. And I mean, even, even right. if you're um, like, even if you're not like obviously world cultures, like particularly vulnerable combo, but even something like dual cast or twin flame, first of all, removal just actually works against it. Unlike, uh, unlike Thassa's Oracle, you can just remove whatever dual caster mage is being targeted by the twin flame and break the loop. Um, but also it's first of all, the second card you have to run if you want redundancy is Heat Shimmer, and Heat Shimmer actually a worse card than Tainted Pact, like, by a lot. Um, and, and like, you're, if you're in Rakdos, you know, it's a lot easier to get an Oracle that's on the field. Assuming you go, you're comparing, you know, Oracle, and then console gets countered to Twin Flame, you cast the Dual Caster, and then your Twin Flame gets countered. Um, finding running the second redundant piece, tainted pact and heat shimmer, is a bigger commitment. Finding it is not necessarily easier because in blue, you like if you're in Demir, you can find tainted pact with all the black tutors that you get in Rakdos, but also with your mystical tutors and stuff like that. Solve the equation if you're playing a spell seeker. Gamble's a universal yeah, tutor. You have a gamble in your deck for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's also and if you have Underworld Breach, that's a one mana demonic tutor, I suppose. Um, but also there's also the added layer with this, though, when we're, we're talking about, you know, comparing those two combos, right? Where if somebody you you cast your you do your heat shimmer, uh, dual caster loops, they counter the dual caster or the, the heat shimmer. You don't have to figure a way out to get the dual caster back to your hand. Yes, which in Rakdos is a lot harder than getting Thoracle to your hand is in Demir right. for sure. Right. And, and, and it, it, this is I'm saying this very explicitly because I want everybody to know that Thassa's Oracle is still the best combo in the format and it ain't even close. Right. Like it's not even close and it makes everything worse. Uh, but so so we've got all these things now moving on a little bit to <laughs> to some some of the less. Uh, crazy stuff. Let's look at Gruel. And we were talking about it. It was funny before we went on. Uh, Cobble was like, well, you know, what do you see in Gruel other than Rurikthar, right? And and Morgan had listed off some stuff that you've played against. So was, when we're talking about Gruel here, Morgan, what are the stuff that we're going to see? What's it really doing? And what does it do well? And what does it do poorly? Sure. So I think Gruel's biggest thing is definitely creatures. Um, like pretty much all Gruel decks ever have been creature based. And that makes a lot of sense because um, even if you think red is the more powerful color than green, uh, green is just a color with way more depth 
than red, and its big thing is creatures. So you can play... Like, if you look at how many, you know... If you look at how many red cards are in a mono-red deck, it's not that many. If you look at how many green cards are in a mono-green deck, it's a lot of green. And so green, something like green-red tends to be green-dominated, which means you're doing creatures. Um, you have some pretty solid ramp. You have the creature... Uh, you have all the creature ramp. You do get Dockside, but you also get the option of hating on artifacts and just leveraging the, the creature ramp. So that's sort of a direction that different decks can go. You can also play your artifact hate and still run Dockside because sometimes you don't have one or the other. And uh, when you don't, the other one's very powerful. Um, you have an excellent ability to protect your stuff. Um, from, from being interacted with. You've got your Veils, Pyroblast, you have some of the more permanent stuff like Shusher and, and Allosaurus Shepherd and Destiny Spinner. Um, so you're very, very good at stopping people from stopping you. Uh, less good, perhaps, at stopping other people from doing stuff. <laughs> um, you have, you can do Breach things, though this is probably not the best color for it because you don't have uh, you, you struggle in terms of the access to uh, either the tutors to enable it or the actual like cards to enable it. If you compare to uh, you compare to Rakdos, obviously you don't have you don't have like demonic tutor, which is so insane with breach that it you know with a few cards in graveyard and a bit of mana, it's basically a one card combo. Um, or if you compare it to is it you don't get like the brain freeze. And when you're trying to do gamble setups, um, going into some two card mill engine like uh, like Mana Crypt Grinding Station or something like that uh, is a lot harder on that sort of initial setup because then you have to cast the gamble from the bin twice. And then when you're casting three gambles over the course of a turn, the odds that you discard one of the pieces is very high. So now you're looking at like 12 cards that you need in your graveyard to go off. Um, but I guess it is an option for, and, and also when you tend to play super creature heavy decks, you tend to be putting cards onto the field, not into the bin. Um, but, uh, you do have other forms of recursion, obviously your regrowths, Ewits, noxious survival sort of stuff. Um, there's some flashback and flashback adjacent stuff in red. Um, and then you could play, you can play welders. So you have sort of decent graveyard access, especially, um, because a card like Ewit or the Welders are very accessible when you have all your green creature tutors. Um, you have some some land support, uh, decent artifact and enchantment, and passable creature removal. Obviously, damage-based creature removal is pretty consistent in this format. A lot of it misses like very specific stuff that is important, uh, like, like a lot of the bolts and bolt-type cards don't hit stuff like Krom, obviously. Um, which is not great, but they do hit a lot of the more, I would say they hit a lot of the more directly problematic permanents. The stuff that actually stops you from playing your game plan generally dies to Bolt. Um, it's just stuff that lets your opponents do their game plan, maybe doesn't. Um, in terms of weaknesses, obviously, you know, we talked about the your interaction is generally limited to... Uh, protecting your stuff and removing permanence. You don't 
interfere with other people's spells on the stack. Like you have generally you have pretty much nothing to say about ad nauseum on the stack, for example. Um, you tend to be on the slower side because uh, creatures are just sort of inherently slow in this format, uh, largely by virtue of the fact that they're affected by summoning sickness. Um, so when you play creature-based acceleration suites, they tend to not be quite as explosive. Um, and uh, your your win cons... <laughs> win cons and Gruel are in a weird place. There's just, like, not quite a good enough creature-based win con. Like, you can do kiki stuff, but when you're just trying to cast or, you know, tutor and play two halves of a kiki stuff without sort of a double enabler, like a birthing pod type line. Um, it's not fantastic. Um, you know, there's the, there's like the Yisan based or like Yisan setups with uh, priests and wirewood symbiotes and stuff like that. You can do, there are dockside loops, um, but generally again, you like your dockside loops are kind of rough because, uh, like Cloudstone Curio is very, very difficult to find in Gruel, for example. Um, so so then you're looking at creature-based dockside loops, which typically involve at least, like it's a three-card combo, not a two-card combo. Um, so your win cons are all like just not quite there or... Like the better ones, got them, though. yeah. The better ones, the better ones don't <laughs> generally fit with the strategy you're trying to play, and the the ones that do are just like not quite as good as some other stuff. Um, it's also, I think, very limited in the commander department. Uh, obviously, Rurikthar is an incredibly powerful disruptive piece, but he does cost six mana, and that's a lot. Um, not trivial. People have done stuff with Wart, but um, I think that everything Wart tries to do is just synergizes so poorly with everything else in green red that being you're, you become so over reliant on your six mana commander that um, it becomes very vulnerable to people just interacting with Wart, but then also you don't get to take advantage of a lot of the hate that other Gruel decks do because you're trying to do more stormy stuff. Um, and I think that just has a bit of tension. Um, people have played stuff like Grand Warlord Rata to just try and power out, you know, your disruptive permanence faster. Um, there's a few other meme ones, but like, like Galia. I know that there's a Galia to enable Snoop. There's a um, you can do a Daryl one on the database. Yeah, Daryl uh, just gives you some card advantage and a bit of disruption, uh, but. He also don't light our comments on fire. He also we mentioned that card. really wants <laughs> you to play. Well, okay. Well, if we're breaking the seal, then we also probably should have mentioned Glenn when we were talking about Azorius, but that's all I'll that's say fair. on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like Daryl, you know, you kind of want to play Clasms to draw, like, you know, you have him out for two or three turns, make like nine zombies for your opponents and then just Clasm them all and draw a million cards. But then you're playing Clasms in a Gruel deck uh, which is somewhat awkward when you want to be leveraging your creature-based mana. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of things that like don't quite fit together. I think another issue is that a lot of the disruptive elements in red, like the stacks elements, 
green doesn't quite have enough stacks on its own, and all of, or not all of, but a lot of red's stacks elements are damage-based rather than prevention-based, like in white. Um, you know, where where white has, like, suppression field, like activated abilities cost two more to activate unless they're mana abilities. Red gets harsh measure, right? Whenever someone activates an ability, if it isn't a mana ability, it deals two damage to them. Um, and this is, first of all, obviously two damage is less, a lot less in a 40 life format than it is in a 20 life format. But it's even worse than that because the way these cards tend to work in 20 life formats is that the body itself also provides a reasonable amount of damage, right? You play, uh, I don't know, an idol uh, or Eidolon of, Eidolon of the Great, the Great Rebel. Rebel. Yeah. Eidolon yeah. of the Great Rebel. And you're like, okay, I'm going to swing with this twice and it's going to deal four damage and they're going to cast three spells and that's another six damage. Um, so that's half of the damage you have to deal to win a game of modern could come from a single Eidolon of the Great Rebel. Uh, but if each of, even if each of your opponents cast three spells into your Eidolon, that's <coughs> six out of 40. But also if you swing with it three times, that's two damage to each opponent, not six damage to each opponent. And so hitting each opponent once and them each casting three spells is eight damage to each of them, which is 20% of what you need to do, not 50%. And so they just don't complement the prevention effects in green, like at all, because you just don't have the density of damage for it to become relevant before you die. Other than in the extreme case of like Rurik Thar, who, deal six damage at a time. Right. Right. I, I think it's also worth pointing out that the blood moon and mass land destruction dimension has gone uh, way down in efficacy since the ban- since the, the printing of Dockside. So you used to see quite often you know, decks like Blue Moon or, you know, Rurik Thar or any of the other decks that are that have red as a dimension that want to play kind of a slow grindy game, being able to make use of either, you know, uh, the Blood Moons or the, um, you know, what are the, oh my goodness, there's there's a couple of them that are, you know, you everybody sacrifices four lands oh, and does uh, six yeah. damage to each uh, creature. Wildfire and Burning of yeah. Shimmy. Right. Um, right. And then there's a five, there's a seven mana one that is five and five. Um, right. But, you know, th- that style of You can't really card, do those, Ponza, right, in this format anymore. Right. Because mainly, the so the, the, the Blood Moon effects turn everybody's lands into the color of Dockside Extortionist. So it And then Dockside mana fixes them. Yes. <laughs> which uh is is a huge um a huge kink in the 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 plan there to be able to uh, you know keep people off of the colors that they need to to do what they want to do. Especially with the saturation of Dockside that you see in most people's local metagames. So, and going a little bit further, land is not as, uh, you know, necessary as 
it used to be. I, you know, we're seeing more and more ramp being produced, you know, more and more um, moxes keep coming. We've got more, uh, you know, Jessica's will style cards that keep coming and people play dorks. So the, the axis upon which red used to rely for creating permanent disruption is largely just moot. And it, it well, you talk, wasn't always this way. You talk about like mass land destruction, right? Like, I think there was a time before Dockside that a lot of different decks could talk about playing it, right? Because you are setting a lot of people back. You don't have to worry about Dockside, all that, all that, you know, kind of nonsense. I think right. now, unless you are playing like specifically Lavinia in your command zone, playing mass land destruction effects is like not a great strategy to be on. Because right. you, you, you have no way of like, of leveraging that at all. So because you 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 Armageddon, you have Lavinia out, they cast a Dockside. And you're like, okay, you still have no lands, so you can't do any of the things you need to do to win, right? Um, I think the bigger issue is that most of the, ma- the mass land destruction spells are going to be sufficiently expensive that you, they're not gonna, you're not gonna fire them off until after everyone has already spewed as many artifacts onto the table that they can or uh, dorks and so on. So removing their land is going to be a setback, but it won't be a clinching setback the way that it used to be. What are you talking about? I, you know, going third, going (laughs) third, I just slam Armageddon on turn two, right? Get get the two people (laughs) out of these two lands, one person after me is one lands, and that's good enough for me. Uh, so as we come to the last of the allied pairings, we're coming to um, the Selesnia guild, uh, the white green colors. And so when we talk about, we, you know, we, we talked about blue white earlier and how there's like tension between what blue is trying to do and what white is trying to do. When we look at Selesnia here, Cobblepot, is that same tension present? Or is it's it similar? Um, there's still tension there because I, I think the strongest thing they can be doing is is rule of law, which is going to implicitly carry that kind of tension mm-hmm. because you want to go fast, especially you know in Silesnia, uh, a common you know Sithis just got printed and enchantress i hate that deck for what it's worth by the way pretty strong (laughs) i've had to play against Um, that so many times on stream i hate that deck it's so annoying i never know what i'm supposed to deal with i never know where the point of interaction is every time i play against sithis i'm like do i counter this do i remove that like what are you supposed to hit right Uh, like you're supposed to cast cyclonic no no, you're supposed to hit the you're supposed to hit the stupid uh the guy who taps for all the mana um i'm blanking on that oh yeah something weaver Sanctum Weaver? Yeah, yeah. Sanctum Weaver. Sanctum there we Weaver. Go. That's the one. Or Seed Criddle. Seed yep. Criddle, which that's the... <laughs> yep. Got into anyway, it. back to what you're saying. Sorry, I'm just lamenting having to play Reed all the time with that damn Sithis deck. <laughs> right. So, this is similar to Azorius because it has that tension there. But 
I think that green and white is less inclined to want to play a really stack intensive game anyway. It's it it's different. So white against blue, blue is is you know all stack all the time. Whereas green is the, the creature color. I mean, yes, you you want to be able to play your green tutors to be able to, you know, specifically, you know, put the the creatures that you need into play to disrupt whatever it is that's happening on the battlefield or to, you know, get your card advantage engines online and so on. But those things fit together in a stacks shell or a hate bears kind of a shell a lot uh, more consistently or self-consistently than Azorius. So you're going to definitely see a lot of the same kind of things. So proactive disruption that's permanent based. So you're going to be vulnerable to cyclonic rifts and things like that. And you're going to be typically slower Mm -hmm. in your development just because you're you've got green, so you're going to be looking at uh, dorks as a big part of your mana, and you don't n- need to have artifact mana, so you can definitely run. And since you're in Celesnia, you have three null rod effects that you can run and find. Um, so it's more consistent in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the tutors, I mean, yes, you're going to have all of the green tutors and the handful of white tutors that give you access to enchantments and some artifacts and so on. It's the impact that, that has is that it's going to limit the pool of combos that are uh, consistently able to be assembled. Mm-hmm. They're mainly going to be creature combos. And because you are generally going to be on a rule of law strategy a lot of the time, you need to do combos that you can execute through a rule of law. So uh, card advantage is, 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 is reasonable. It's, you don't have anything like Adnaz, but I mean, you do have Esper Sentinel. You've got the whole Enchantress thing, if that's part of what you're doing which, which is a uh, nice right. addition to cdh I, I will say i think that having that archetype is nice i think that right of harmony really brings that uh up a couple of notches just because God, I hate that it triggers off of enchantments and creatures and um if you have a you know a token generator you know if, if you've got a uh, monastery mentor live with right of harmony it's it's real good so yeah, no i've had um, to play against it in agila it's great yep awesome so fun it's a, good, it's a perfectly <laughs> fine magic card as far as uh, recursion is concerned i mean you got all the the good stuff in green regrowth noxious the endurance ewit and you've also got savine's reclamation which happens to be good at bringing hate bears back to the table so there's you know, a lot of flexibility there to be able to respond to what's going on at the table and get things back after they've been removed. And yeah, this is just kind of all denial. 
So all the rule of law, all the null rod, rest in peace. And, you know, if you're that kind of a person, Arcana, Valor's Reach, <laughs> the, those sorts the of cobble cards. Chalice. Yep. Uh, weaknesses, again, you can, you can protect yourself. So you've got, you know, silence you can use on somebody else's upkeep, but generally silence people are using to protect themselves on their turn. Uh, same as the veils and that kind of thing. Um, you're very often board, board committed. So if something happens to your board, then you're set back disproportionately than everybody else, just because your game is, is less about what's in your hand and more about what you have on the, on the battlefield, because that's you're disrupting proactively as opposed to reactively. And a lot of the win cons are not necessarily concise. So it's not uncommon to see in Slesnia, you know, beats being one of the win cons. Right. Because, I mean, you, you've got, sure, you've got like Squirrelcraft or, you know, <laughs> Elish Norn or Linvala plus Living Plain or, you know, MEL that bounces village bell ringer to you know repeatedly get e-witness or some other enter the battlefield kind of a thing um you know you could draw your deck with sithis if you're bouncing a enchantment creature or so on but then again now you've got your deck how do you win right and there's there's not a lot of great options in celestia (laughs) i mean yes i mean that's that's kind of it I mean, finale of devastation is generally the 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 one card. So, if you're in a situation where you can't get creatures onto the battlefield, or you know you are in a situation where someone is actively trying to go off, or you're accidentally in your post combat main phase. <laughs> yep, those things happen, and. That's, you know, not great. Right. Uh, the MEL stuff you can you can do over the top of somebody else's turn. But finding a way to convert it into a win is is tricky. Right. Yeah, uh, it's very interesting. I have. Like I said, I was trying to do some stuff with. Catilda, uh, uh, and like, I still think there's something there. I just was as trying to brew a way to like, like your win cons and green white, I was just like, man, I already deal with like blue white. <laughs> I'm like, hey, this is enough miserable trying to figure out how to end the game. I don't need another tough color pairing. You know, <laughs> when we look at this, you know, Morgan, when we look at kind of Selesnia and what would you say is probably at the top end of Selesnia right now? Well, so I think it's kind of a difficult question to answer. Um, I think Sithis in some ways might be the answer, um, but I think that uh, I have trouble evaluating decks that I think do better but fail to leverage the best tools in sort of their niche um, Mm -hmm. where, like, I think that you know, Sithis can sort of close the game, but like not being able to play rule of laws is an enormous problem. Um, I think that uh, 
Sissy Sissy is a is another tricky one to evaluate. Uh, or one out for the home paradox engine. Obviously, the win cons are a lot worse than they used to be. They've been slowly getting better. I think people have sort of. I know there was there was like a one turn win that tried to use used one of the planeswalkers that could untap like a million things. Um, and then you got chain veil and then you did stuff and it was like, okay, so now you can't play null rod and you're trying to, you need like six mana worth of permanence and your cradle has to make like five mana and just like all this stuff that, and, and then I think people have moved towards like, we'll just win over two turns, uh, which I think is a little bit better. Um, Sarath the Viper's Fang uh, is a legendary tutorable thing that untaps stuff and gives your untapped creatures hexproof. So, you know, that can definitely enable, first of all, it protects you, and then the untapping can, like, enable certain wins um, mm-hmm. somewhat nicely. Uh, so Sisse is an option. Yasharn is clearly, like, the most disruptive, but obviously does nothing to, to win you the game. Um, there are some meme builds um, that use like various different, they try and leverage various different combos. Like there's a, you know, I've seen like a Safi deck. Um, you can use Nazan because he's just kind of an infinite mana outlet. There's um, green, white Salvala can go infinite with certain things. I, I feel like, that list always includes cards that I'm skeptical will actually consistently go infinite with her. Um, like Umbral Mantle, you know, <laughs> consistently hitting three <laughs> non-land cards off the tops of libraries is sketchy, at least in my book. Right. Um, so I think that there's, it's hard to say which one's best just because there are a lot of different axes you can attack on and they all have, I think quite serious flaws. Um, and so it's very difficult to sort of evaluate them against each other and, and, right. it'll, and it'll be very meta dependent. Um, like a deck that doesn't want to play null rod, but can play rule of law might be fantastic in some metas and in other metas, you might really, really wish you were playing the opposite or, or right. whatever. For sure. Right. Well, that about wraps things up for the discussion about uh, allies. I know we're planning on next week coming back and talking about the enemy color pairings. Um, and so before we take off, uh, you know, Morgan, I know you guys do a lot with uh, Into the North. What are you guys doing over there right now? Uh, we are. We have a, an episode that we recorded uh, with Nathan Jones, the Hermit Druid on Twitter, that'll be yeah. coming out uh, probably around the time this comes out. I guess um, you know we're still we're still you know just chugging along producing those. We've uh, we have some ideas for doing commentary on some of the tier one replays uh, when we get around to that. We released one of those a few weeks ago where um, we. We played. A, there was an after-hours game between the four people who were there who had won a Tier 1 con event, uh, which included Reed and I, uh, co- uh, commentated by Comedian and uh, and Null from Into the North. And 
Sick Robot and I, who were in the game, watched their commentary and sort of commentated on their commentary. <laughs> uh, just, you know, just talking about sort of our decisions and where, you know, why we did things we did. Um, and so we were contemplating either doing something like that for some of the rounds that we were in just part of the main event or potentially just re-commentating them ourselves. Um, so watch for that. And yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I know I always love the new stuff that you put out over there, so always a pleasure when that comes out. Um, so with that being said, uh, just a quick reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at SculptyBoys, B-O-I-S, or you can find a direct link to that in our link tree in the description below. Want to also give an extra shout out to all of our patrons who help keep the lights on around here. If you too like to become a patron, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description. Thank you again for joining us this weekend from all of us at the mind sculptors. I'm Callahan and we'll see you next time. I'm in line with the stars. I'm in sync with the earth. Ten toes deep flower child from the turf. I never switch sides. Like even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad. Light up ties in the hearse. I've been on a vibe kind of hard to describe. I'm in between. I'm good and it's fine, but I'm tired of the grind. Then I come alive in the night to realize I'm in the middle of the time of my life. I'm never so packed for the stack. Never lied on the back. Got a bag from the way that I write it. Queen looking Tyson. Do that ass survive doing 80 to the house. Then I hit it to the sky. Change haters on a tirade. Talking to the crib and the face. Be still. Let that hit stuff fade. We all with the same. We all want a meal and a safe. I want to live like I'm trying to be enlightened. Trail spill from my lips. Feel big from the bit. Take a sip till I pass out. Try and get grip, but it don't make sense. Cause you can lose life on this fast route. Yeah, turn thoughts to a cash cow. I might flip that to the glass house. I don't need the accolades, I'm in love with the chase. I just wanna eat, save a spot at the table. Beast with the slap, hit myself on the map. You long with the wind, but we knowing that it's cap. Five hour flights, couple nights at the flat to be.